0: Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Cast. This is going to be one of the juiciest, saltiest, most crammed episode that I've recorded so far. I actually couldn't wait to start talking because I was working on this plan and outline it, what I'm going to talk about. And I'm like, oh, fuck all of that. I can, I can do 60 minutes. I can do two hours today without even having, you know, anything written down. So we're going to do a different type of episode. I'm not going to show you my habits because I haven't checked anything today. We're not going to talk about my goals and stuff. Maybe I'm going to talk about some things in the end, but I just want to start with the topic. And if you follow me on Twitter, you know what the topic is going to be. So you basically know what happened on Friday. Yeah, on Friday. And I want to make that the main point. You know, I don't want to drag you through 20 minutes about talking about my habits and how I went to the dentist and blah, blah, blah. So we're going to talk about Friday. And then maybe at the end of the video, I'm going to talk about what happened over the weekend and what happened today. So. Friday, we're talking with my brother-in-law, who's a designer, about some landing page designs, blah, blah, blah. And he sends me this website, which we're not going to name, just again, not to offend anyone and not to anyone to think some things, not anyone to feel any feelings, God forbid. So let's just say we found this website and he sends me the website and he sends me another website and he's like, man, this other website is so original, it's so nice, but you know, this other design is so, so how, how to say it, like played out at this point. And I click it. And it's that classic design. I call it the purple gradient vomit design. You've seen a bunch of these. Turns out, for most of them, there's like one designer studio who's making most of them. So basically, you cannot see the difference. They just change a couple of colors, but all the buttons and everything is more, more or less the same. There's no creativity, and they all stem from linear. So linear.com started this trend, and then you know people kind of forked it, copied it, whatever you call it, without without you know offending designers or whatever. And now it's gotten repetitive. So anyway, I start scrolling this website and I didn't record my initial reaction. But honestly, my reaction was I play with the effects and I'm like, oh God, like it's first time when you see it, when I saw linear.com, my mind was blown. But then designers caught this disease called linearitis, right? That they started copying. And, and once you see it, every third fucking website has the same thing. The borders are going like this. When you hover over a button, you have some gradient thingy going like this. The sections are glowing in some annoying fucking ass purple. There's some video animations that have nothing to do with the content. Like the content, you don't even read it because you play around with interactions. And the interactions are, I'm not gonna say they're not interesting the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time, but you play more with the interactions than you actually pay attention to what this website is actually about. So you're missing the entire point that this website is about something and you're just playing with these interactions and your web developer brain goes like, huh, how did they make it? Oh, that's, that's freaking interesting, you know? And it's interesting the first three times you see it maybe. When I saw this for 50th time, I was like, fuck it. I'll just record a reaction video of um, how I'm tired of these websites. So I just start screen recording. I put myself on the side. I'll link the video. It's probably in the description or in a pinned comment. and. I just scroll through the website and I don't say anything, dude. I don't, I didn't say anything offensive. I didn't, I literally don't use words in the video. So I just scroll, I play with the website. And from time to time, I turn to the camera and I'll try to replicate my face, even though I'm laughing now. So it's hard. I was actually pissed when I was recording this. I wasn't acting like, you know, I didn't go to that place, just like flip the button, but I was like so fucking tired of it. You can see it in my face. You'll see the face somewhere down there, you know, or, or just watch the video. It's like one minute. So it was something like You know, like, fine, we get it. We get it, designer. Congratulations. Put this on your fucking portfolio, right? It's a portfolio thing. You're amazing at at what I would call, I would call this like design masturbation. Good job. You're amazing at design masturbation. You can throw in all the techniques that you've learned in the last few years, even though you're copying for the next website and the next website, and all look the same. But congratulate yourself. The end result doesn't achieve the final goal. A landing page is there to sell a product. So basically, people will tinker around, play with, get overwhelmed with too many effects and someone someone called this the firework effect or whatever. It's like, wait, you know, fireworks once, two times, it's fine. But when you get like poof, poof and things exploding, you you get overwhelmed, you miss the entire point and you close the thing. So anyway, I record this video, I posted and boy, did it hit a nerve. Did it hit a freaking nerve. It got to um, 1.4, I think, million impressions and it got to it led to a lot of pissed off designers. So, it led to a lot of people agreeing with me. It had like 4,000 likes. It had, I don't know how many retweets. And it had a lot of comments saying, finally, man, you said what all of us have been thinking. Because like Peter Levels have been mentioning this for a while. He's so tired of these fucking overdone websites. Some of them cost 20 to 50,000 euros for this landing page. You're Absolutely out of your mind if you pay that much money. Like, Who do you think you're going to trick at the end of the uh, the day? Like the the customer is going to try your product and boy, does your product look nothing like that landing page. So yeah, maybe you'll convert the customer. In most cases, you won't because they'll play around, right? And at the end of the day, they'll try the product and they'll be like, oh, well, this is not what you are selling. So bye-bye. So what is the fucking point? Anyway, with this reaction video, I didn't want to say any of this. I didn't want to, like, I didn't do a critique. I didn't give anyone feedback. I just expressed my fucking feelings. What about, we want freedom of speech, I want to be able to say whatever I want, and then, you know, people are like, thanks God man, Elon came here and took over Twitter, and now we can say whatever we want. Oh, wh- what did he say? No, well, well, I, well, you cannot say that, because it offends, you. so they want freedom of, of speech, unless they offend themselves by it. So, the point is, again, I di- this was the caption of the tweet, I am so fucking tired of these landing pages and honestly i feel sorry that i picked that random page and i would have felt sorry if i picked the other copies like there's a list i think max one of the biggest twitter trolls is keeping a list of these linear writers website i think there's even a landing page called linears linears with an s dot com or whatever which shows all of the copies from linear over the times and i could have picked any of them i didn't want to bash on this particular ironically i don't even know what the company is even about like I've been messing with tweeting at them and they tweeting at me and me with the landing page and they made uh, another, whatever happened, I still don't know what the fuck are they doing. That's the funniest bit. So I felt sorry that these particular people got into this mess, even though I'm not sorry because I got them like hundreds of thousands of of visitors on their website. But that was not my intention. It was not my intention to give... Feedback, it was not my intention to give someone an honest critique about how they should improve a landing page. Dude, I just expressed my fucking feelings. If you go search on Twitter for I hate X or I I am tired of X where X is anything, oranges, Trump. Well, those are the same things. He's orange. Whatever. People are like, oh, I'm so tired of Apple. Does that mean you gotta write a fucking personal letter to Tim Cook and be like, Hey, Timmy, I don't mean to say that I'm tired of Apple. I just wanted to say that the way that Android is like, no. Fuck that. Not everything that you say has to be backed up with 30,000 apologies and justifications. Sometimes you go on Twitter and you're like, God damn it, I'm tired of all these people drinking from Stanley Cups. Right? I am, because this is not a Stanley Cup. But you can express your feelings however you want and some people are like, this is not a way to give um, feedback. Motherfucker, I'm not giving feedback. I'm just saying I'm tired of something. I can be tired of something and if you don't like my opinion, if you don't care about my opinions, you can just scroll by. But... But, but, but. So we have all of these people who supported me. They were like, ha ha ha's and crying emojis, crying laughing emojis. Well, they were crying emojis <laughs> from designers. But there were a lot of people who supported me. And then there are people like, you cannot say that. That's someone else's work. That's some honest work. And every time I hover the bio, it says designer or design lead. <laughs> it was so freaking funny. I didn't know that they are so easily triggered, dude. And if you know me, I double down. So until now, I was talking about web development sucks. Like, I'm one of the rare people on Twitter who doesn't suck up and just tells it to people how it is. I would have had way more followers, dude, if I had a Twitter strategy, if I was trying to please everyone, and tell people, oh, like, I I was beefing with coffee snobs, which is most web developers, they have 15 machines in their kitchen for making coffee. And at the end of the day, it tastes very similar to my instant coffee, but it kind of hurts them, you know? Like, I I read this freaking, um, it was in a podcast, something from old Stoicism or whatever. It said, if you are offended by something, 50% of it, it's your fault. Like, you're handshaking the person who's talking about this, and you're like, well, yeah, you're kind of right. Because if you knew that something is as the way it is, and someone else tells you, hey, it's not like that. Like if you knew, hey, my design skills and my landing page is fucking amazing. If someone comes and says, it's not, if you really believe that, you would not give a fuck. You wouldn't even react. You wouldn't even comment. But because deep down, you know that you copied linear and you know that you're actually not original. Maybe you invented new hover effects or whatever and you you spend like weeks on tweaking those for no reason. But deep down, you know that why you take offense Part of what I'm saying is true, right? So now let's turn the ball a little bit towards me, just not to be that I'm continuing to bash or whatever. I'm just explaining the situation. So from like years that I had Twitter, I don't know how many years I have Twitter. I've gotten into a lot of Twitter fights when I was sharing opinions and stuff. So I've gotten myself in a lot of heat, if you know me. Sometimes, you know, I would just express an opinion and it would be at the bad time or whatever, like one time. I was, like, I, I had no idea, like, I swear to God, I had no idea who Jordan Peterson is, What are his opinion, what does he do, i was just a fucking moron, who would hear a book somewhere, st- downloads it on Audible, plays it on 2.3 speed, just, bl- like, I had a period where I was just blasting through audiobooks, and I had, that period, I remember, I was taking a break from Twitter, I wasn't reading, I don't read the news, I don't watch the news, I don't do anything, and I remember, like, half of that fucking book, man, I was listening on Audible, I was at the beach. Like, half of it just went past by. I don't even know what the fuck is. Like, this guy's explaining things, but in a very complex and grandiose way. So, I didn't agree with him on a lot of things. But there was this chapter about his daughter, um, something about her sickness and the way he was struggling with her sickness and blah, blah, blah. And I remember that part. I don't know, like, I'm a I'm a sensitive person, you know. Even though I may seem tough and whatever, like, play me any fucking movie, dude. A dog dies, something happens to a kid, whatever. Instant waterfalls. Like I'm, I'm a crier basically at things. So I, I have this, you know, like any touchy feely story can make me. What about it. so I when I heard that about Jordan Peterson's daughter, I'm like, man, that's a hard life. And you know, when I have kids one day, if that happens, like that probably sucks. And I just tweeted, man, this book, you know, makes me feel feelings, whatever, whatever. And you know, I one hour later opened my DMs and. And people are like, man, delete this. What the fuck? You're saying this at the wrong time. Do you know who Jordan Peterson is? And I just Googled Jordan Peterson and he was in the news for something. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, God damn it. And then I opened Twitter and everyone was like, so you share all of his opinions? So is it about white? What? And I'm like, what? I, I didn't even... I had no idea what this guy said, what he said on the news, what are his opinions. I didn't agree with half of the... Th- I, I kind of miss half of the things he has said in the book because I'm listening at a high speed. Or, you know, I'm listening to books a lot of times and my mind just drifts off. But people on Twitter, they can find a way to turn this and twist and be like, ah. So you basically this and that and they'll label you and you're like no i just said that this chapter of the fucking book made me emotional but the mistakes that i was doing then and in the past i would get into fights with people like i would go into replies and try to defend myself the point is with these fucking trolls like they know they're taking something out of context just to poke at you and they will succeed in poking at you if you actually fall and start replying to their comments so i remember it was windy at the beach And, dude, I had back pain for days after that because instead of enjoying the beach and just swimming and whatever, I was just sitting with, you know, lying down on my stomach on Twitter or my phone just arguing with people that I even forgot about the wind and everything and then for a couple of days my back hurt. So I still remember that, like, traumatic experience for me just trying to defend myself online. And that was in, I don't know, 2018, 2019, whatever. No, it was before that, 2018 probably. And since then, I've been trying to reduce the amount of time I just reply to people who don't agree with my tweet. You don't agree with my tweet? I need to justify myself to you, like, fuck off. There's a block button, there's a mute button, there's a scroll, I'm assuming there's a scroll wheel on your mouse, If you don't agree with something, go fuck yourself, scroll past my tweet, bye. Hey, you don't agree with me? I have have only a single question. Who is the singer of the song Chandelier? Sia. So I learned that and I kind of mastered because I, you know, when your following grows and you see something, eventually at some threshold of followers, like everything becomes polarizing because the more people you have, like the, the bigger the chance that people are going to have a split opinion. If you tweet, I like onions with three followers, most of them would like, follow- most, most of them would like followers. <laughs> most of them would like or dislike onions, whatever. But the more you have, the more there's a chance there's going to be a split. And Twitter got into this bad habit, especially like a couple of years ago with the cancellation and everything, like everything that you said, if you're like, I like purple. And people are like, so what does that mean? Or we'd be like, I like broccoli. And people are like, oh, is that because um, because it's green? Do you know what green symbolized in the Second World War, the, the color green? Or uh, do you like broccoli because you secretly hate the Irish because of sand? And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Twitter was like that. And this situation with the designers, like, reminded me of Twitter back in the day. I'm like, oh, so so these people are not gone. They, They take something and they'll just, oh, well, did you mean this and that? No, motherfucker. I meant what I said in the freaking tweet. That I'm just, I, personally, me, am tired of these motherfucking landing pages. That's what I said. I didn't say, hey, the person who made this landing page is a piece of shit. I didn't say, the company who worked on this it was a huge waste of time, I didn't say, this is easy to do, I didn't, like, I know how much work it goes into that freaking landing page, and coding that landing page is insane, like, mad props to the people who have the skills to do that, I don't, but I didn't say, hey, I can do this easily in a day, I didn't say, my landing pages are better, like, I'm actually well aware of how my landing pages suck ass, because I don't spend time on them, because I'm not a designer, I never spend money on hiring a designer to work on any of my landing pages, and I'm, with that, you know, there's like you cannot offend me if you take a screenshot of, I don't know, my course landing page or Sizi, whatever, and be like, Oh, this sucks. Like, we spend three days on total on, on those things, you know, like you cannot poke at me for that because, as I said, 50% have to be from me feeling something like, Oh, yeah, man, I know, like, ugh. And, and then trying to defend that point. My point is, I usually wouldn't argue, I wouldn't fall for the replies because it's like, Oh, then you have to argue with. 50,000 people, and then people, you know, that appears on the timeline, and people love drama, and they're like, "Oh, he's replying to this. Like, in a way, they know that they got you if you start replying. So, of course, with this, like, I see it starting to go viral, and as you know, I have this um, app that I made for checking Twitter every five minutes. uh, Every um, hour, only for five minutes. But in a situation like this, it's a crisis. So I'm in the middle, you know, of replying and everything with this, and my computer gets locked on top of, you know, like, I know I've seen some of the replies, I've seen some of the things, and I want to get into it, and my computer gets locked. And I'm like, Breen, like, usually all my computers lock at a certain time of the day. I don't remember if it's 9.30 or 10 or whatever. I'm like, breathe. this is perfect. You'll chill off by tomorrow. And as per your rules, you don't argue with people in the replies anymore. You just say whatever the fuck you want and you move on. But something didn't let, this time, I don't know, something just didn't let me. So what I did, dude, is I dig- dug out my old MacBook Air. This was very complex because my Twitter password is not in 1Password. It's locked into my own app that I made for locking passwords so I don't get the temptation to go on Twitter. But I was like, fuck it, anything goes tonight, dude. So I take this old MacBook Air with half a broken screen. Like you need to tilt it in a certain way just to see certain colors. (laughs) This is insane. So take it out. Everything is super slow, including that landing page that I tried and I roasted on the video. Side note, side hint. That works maybe on the latest MacBook Pro, even though we tried it on my brother-in-law's MacBook Pro. He has, like, the latest one. And all of these websites are lagging. Like, it's a horrible experience. I can imagine the experience on an Android phone or some older phones. It's probably going to be terrible. So I fire up my old MacBook here, and I just try... Like, people were applying with certain websites, like amy.so. It's a popular landing page. I saw it on the Mac Studio. It worked fine. I opened it in Safari on the MacBook. It got so... Half of the components were loading... It was super broken, and I'm like, God knows how much time they spend on the landing page. At the end of the day, most of the Safari users are not even gonna see what the fuck is going on. So where was I going with this? Yeah, I, I took the MacBook Air. I got to a point, I had to take the freaking MacBook Air and change my Twitter password and do all of these things just to be on Twitter that night. And I kind of got, you know, I, I I regret it that I went into it. So I didn't reply to most of the people. I replied to, you know, people who had a question, like, what's a website that you like? And there's plenty of websites that I like as a landing page. They're not mine. I would not say like, oh, look. Like I have maybe um, Twizzle.app is um, a landing page that I'm proud of because I actually spent some time thinking about it. It's super minimalistic. And it's, you know, it's like one loading animation and a couple of things and people have loved it in the past and they actually shared Twizzle because they're like, oh, wow, this is a cool landing page with the Easter egg and everything. I'm not saying it's a masterpiece of design, but that's like one thing that I've thought about. And as a developer, I figured out a way to, made it in- to make it interesting, interactive, But that was not the point. In replies, I wanted to say, I love certain landing pages. It's not like I hate all of the landing pages. Like, for example, Notion, Coda, or Cal.com, or a bunch of these other Raycasts, Raycasts similar to Vercel and this is Purple Vomit. But I like landing pages where um, they basically find branding and they basically um, associate, the, uh, the landing page has some connection with the actual product. For example, Linear. Like linear, yes, it has all of these fancy elements and whatever, but guess what? It matches the product one to one. Like the linear app is fucking amazing. Like everything, I I was a linear hater for so long because I hate popular things, right? And I made my own quota setup for, you know, tasks and whatever, so I never needed something like linear. But for one project, I had two contractors for Benji, and I was like, let's use linear. And the first time I used that, I was hesitant, but then. The, the amount of time these fuckers have spent on polishing every detail, every menu, every right click. I know how much work goes into that. So basically, when they sell you something on a landing page, you know you know that you're getting that exact same thing in the product. And for all of these purple vomit gradient whatever things, you don't get that. You get a fancy landing page that's like super bloated with all the things that the designer has learned and then the product has nothing to do with it. And the product is super lame, doesn't have animations, is not polished, and usually you're disappointed. This is the case in 99% of the cases. I'm going to close the window because I'm freezing. Yeah, so where where did I want to go with this when I said I wanted to, to turn the ball on me? Because, you know, I told you that in this podcast, I'm not going to, you know, my goal with the podcast is not, not with this episode, but in general, is to tell you about my honest feelings and honest experiences and everything that I'm going through. So I'm not going to tell you, you know, this sugar-coated story about what happened on Friday and how uh, I was amazing and I went viral and I stood on top of everything. Like, I, I don't want the story to come out that way. I want to tell you about my real feelings. So I'm going through a replies. So I'm replying to, like, people are trolling and they're memeing my face and whatever. That was funny to me. And I answered some questions and stuff. But there was, like, one reply. It was the only reply that actually triggered me. Because why did it trigger me? Why, why did I want... Why did I go to the MacBook and I was like thinking of things and even got into a reply, you know, fight, let's call it, with this guy. That eventually I realized, oh, fuck, you broke your own rule. You don't stoop down to the level of trolls. You don't stoop down to the people who are bashing you, especially saying things that they don't know if they're like that or not, because eventually you'll end up like them. But I I broke my own rule. I regret it. At the end of the day, you know, the person was, uh, I I would call it rude in a way. So I'm like, if somebody is fucking rude to your face, like on the street, you wouldn't want to see this person tomorrow, right? So at the end of the day, I blocked this person. I don't want them in my mentions anywhere. But why why was the reply, what was the 50% of, you know, um, of the offense agreement that actually triggered me? Is that something, um, I I don't know what was the reply like, but it was something like, at the end of the day, this fucking site is awesome, and you're a web developer who sells a mediocre course that doesn't teach, will never teach your students about making a landing page like this. Now, Now, first of all, guy. My course is not about making landing pages. Uh, You don't, right? I didn't make a course on how to make amazing landing pages. And I'm pretty sure that if I went into landing page development, which I wanted a lot of times in my career, I wanted to leave everything and just make a tool for making landing pages. And if I spend like years on that, then you can criticize me about landing pages. If you're like, oh, this guy put so much effort. And at the end of the day, his landing pages suck. Then we can talk about it. But when I spend like two days on making a landing page, like for the course, I literally sat down and... First time I used Tailwind in my life, I used ChatGPT to generate that boat which has two faces. Like, I'm aware that the mascot for Zero to Ship has fucking two, two faces, you know? So I'm aware that I didn't spend time on this, and I'm aware that the end result is like, eh, whatever. But my point is, the, the reason why I started replying to this guy, like he said, at the end of the year, you're a web developer selling a mediocre course. And I'm like, how dare you? And And trust me, when you get into that mood... There's something in you that knows that part of that is kinda true. So first of all, I didn't like because I've achieved so many things. I've done so many things. My main product is a browser for developers, which thousands of developers use. They praise it. They use it as their main work tool. So I'm my main thing is I'm making a tool that in a way helps developers' lives and makes them work faster and better and whatever. So that's like the main thing. Second thing is I'm a conference speaker. I am doing React Academy workshops. I'm now I'm working on Benji, which is a Life OS which helps people get fit get their habits and goals done and blah, 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 and all of these things. So the last thing I want to be associated with is a fucking course. But then I realized in my bio, because i want sales, the first link that I had is zero to ship. So you know that association, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I was kind of pissed, pissed at myself. Like, I've been working for so many years and I still, I fuck things up in a way that people still don't know everything that I've made and everything that I've worked on. And, you know, like, there was so little said at that tweet. But when you have things piling up in you and, As you can see in the previous like 14 days, um, I've been expressing my feelings about work and how something always happens and I have to go to the dentist and da-da-da-da. So I'm not happy with my work ethic and I'm not happy with like the previous two, like since COVID, everything has been a freaking roller coaster regarding work. I feel like before that, I was this machine focused on Sissy. I started working on Gling. Then I started working on too many things at once. COVID happened, my legs started hurting and I felt like everything went downfall. So I've been struggling with many emotions that I'm not sitting down to to write them down and to properly, you know, deconstruct them. I'm not doing therapy right now. I'm not doing anything to break down what am I thinking and where do I want to go in life? I just go, you know? Like, it's like um, I'm tumbling down and I don't stop. And anytime I say, hey, let's stop and think, like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, why am I doing a course? Why am I doing so many products? Why do I, what's the most important thing? I'm like, yeah, but that's going to be a loss of a day. So let me just continue working for today. And I'll just, you know, let's think about it tomorrow. So this let's think about it tomorrow piles up and you have thoughts and you have feelings and there's someone saying something. There's another person saying something. You pretend and you're like, oh, I don't care what they said and I don't care. But it piles up, it piles up, it piles up. So I think this reply was just a straw that bro- broke the camel's back. It wasn't about me getting mad at that. I've gotten a way worse thing you on Twitter than this freaking reply. But I think this was the thing that opened the box for me of like emotions and everything I've been holding within me It's like, I'm 31, dude. What the fuck am I doing with my life? I know a lot of people would be happy with my accomplishments and everything I've achieved so far. Like I bought this freaking ass house this year, which was on top of my list and I posted it on Twitter and everyone complimented it and everyone was like, holy shit, this is a dream house and yada, yada, yada. But you know your boy, deeper issues, right? And not happy with anything, not happy where I am in life, constantly Googling rapper's age or that actor's age. Oh, motherfucking Ed Sheeran is 31 and by then he did this. and Like I'm constantly doing bad comparisons and I feel bad about myself. I know that is my fault. But, you know, like this reply and every like it just unboxed a lot of feelings that I had in me. And i was like, holy shit, like I need to do therapy again. I need to get my shit together. I'm just afraid that when I went in that direction once, you know, when I worked with that uh, business coach that I hired, I still remember his name, Tony, that told me, just keep following yourself. Like I start losing myself more when I start overthinking what am I doing and why am I doing it and by when do I want to have certain things finished and yada, yada, yada. So basically, 50% of the offense was mine because, like, I didn't care about most of the other replies. You like it, you dislike it, you agree or this. This just triggered a lot of thoughts in me that I haven't processed them properly by myself, you know. And I'll be honest with you, like, the reason why I created Zero to Shift in the mess I was uh, I was in. So last year I started working on. Um, so we worked on a CZ revamp, which I was mostly ignoring because in parallel, while Pranit was doing the CZ revamp, like I was a bad let's say colleague, I was a bad uh, boss in a way because I wasn't that responsive. I was like, yeah, 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 you you guys do the things. I just want to focus on Benji here because my life is in mess and I want to do something for habits, tasks and planner and whatever. While things were burning here. So Cizzy already, you know, like um, customers complaining that certain features were unclear. So we're, we were in this major redesign. And instead of me going in and helping with this redesign, I was just ignoring everyone and focusing on Benji for a while, right? Then ChatGPT came out and I started this product called ShowGPT. And of course, I went into a period of not sleeping properly. I got burned out because I was working. I I remember these long streams and going to the gym and everything. It's like too many things happening at once. So I had to shut um, this ShowGPT thing down because I'm like, my guy, you're working on too many things at, at once. So I already had too many things. I added one more thing because I want to have this freedom of whenever I feel like it, I want to create a product. I have ideas like that, like show GPT. I think if I pursued only that, it could have been amazing. The problem is I put it on top of things that are already on fire. Like I had Benji going on. I had the CZ revamp and ignoring everyone in the team. And then I started show GPT on top of that. So in my right mind, I wouldn't have started Zero to Ship like a course which honestly, I had it a long time in my mind because I was teaching with React Academy. I had a lot of material ready. I'm doing these workshops in person and I was itching to, you know, I can, like I have so much knowledge and I see all of these developers struggling. Dude, there's so many full stack developers that cannot choose a stack that at some point I got pissed enough that I'm like, man, take these six technologies that I'm teaching in the course and you can start making your own startup and you can start making money. So it was angered combined with I needed money because the way to increase um, the money in SISI is a very long route for me. Like I need to work on marketing. I need to work on, ironically, on a landing page. The landing page of SISI was made by Pranit, tweaked by me. We both tried to do something, but the end result is not a landing page that sells. It, it's it's not a good landing. It's an okay landing page, but it's nothing special. And it doesn't even cover most of the things that we have in Sizi. So in order to increase revenue in any of my other products like Sizi, I would need to do a lot of work, like customer interviews and doing the landing page and optimizing and numbers. And we went that route throughout the years and I just got burned out. Like that's not my quality. What am I good at is inventing products, inventing features. And then I just want to offload it to someone else. If I only had a partner to be like, hey, dude, just take it from here. Go market this, sell this. I don't want to bother with that. So I was at a period we were hiring mixed panel experts and people who are doing analytics and I was trying to get involved in that, like which buttons are people clicking on and I got burned out and I didn't want to see Siszy anymore. I'm like, no, I just, I fuck it, like whatever. I, I cannot deal with that shit. So in order to increase the money in Siszy, it's a longer route. There's so many optimizations. There's so many analytics. There's so many things. Let me shut off my watch. There's so many things that we need to do that that seemed like a very long route. Then we had Benji which I was struggling with the pricing. Like, what do I want Benji to be? Do I want it to be a free app? Do I want it to be a paid app? Like, I, did, I, I was not sure because as I mentioned before, we have Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, all of the Reddit, all of these people being super addictive and pulling people one way. So I really wanted to make something. You know, I'm tired of, you need to pay a subscription for a fasting app. You need to pay something for a food logging app. You need to pay a subscription for a to-do app, for a planner. And at the end of the day, I was like, I could just code all of this, pack it into a life OS and just give it to people. But I wasn't sure, do I want it free? Do I want it paid? And without a landing page, without explaining exactly what it is and without spending a lot of time on polishing all the features added in Benji, there's no way it's gonna bring money, especially with an unclear strategy. So the only thing I did in Benji is after the course, I added like a believer plan, meaning, hey, this product is not polished yet, but I'm planning to go all in on it. I can't wait to clear everything off my plate and go in all in on Benji so if you believe in that, you can subscribe to the Believer plan. But that was optional, right? People still use it for free. And it blows my mind that even now, like I go on Slack and I see a couple of purchases. Even though Benji is free, people still buy the Believer plan to to basically support the product. However, all of these products, they they require Benji, Cz, Gling, whatever it is, a lot of work to get to money. And we were planning to get the house. There's like a lot of expenses. The kid was on the way and everything. And I was like, well, buddy, even you are in all of this mess, now is the time to make a course. And fuck it. I didn't... I was not in the right place to be like, you know what? My slate is clear. I can go ahead and just like these other people who are creating courses. Keep in mind, everyone who's created a course, whether it's on CSS, React, whatever, they just had that as their main focus for probably a year. So what I decided is like, fuck it. I'll launch this in a day. So I decided I'm gonna make a landing page and I haven't even started recording the course, nothing. I was like, the quickest way to make money is starting pre-sales of a course. I'm gonna um, start with a silly price. I think the first price was, let me check. The first price was 99 because I was afraid, like, will it sail? Will it not sail? I sat down. I never used Tailwind in my life. I wanted to try it because people wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. So I was like, fine, I'll try Tailwind. I made this landing page um, in a day and I tweeted out, maybe it took like two days until I tweeted it out, but most of it was done in a day. I did the mascot with MidJourney or whatever. And the next day I tweeted, hey, I'm finally gonna teach you how I make, because literally the stack I'm using is not something invented. If I really wanted to push, now, now here's where I draw the line. Like, I still wanted to be honest. I still wanted to sell my stack, even though Brandon, the creator of Blitz, abandoned it. Basically, it gets an update every once in a bloom one. It's just bug fixes. So what's the future of Blitz? I have no fucking idea. Mantine, if they're in the middle of recording a course, they completely changed routes. It became from one of my favorite UI libraries to something I cannot update to their latest version. Then we have, um, what else am I using there? Blitz and Mantine, those are the two problematic ones. Now I'm blanking out on one. what else am I doing in the course. Um, yeah, yeah, maintained for styling instead of Tailwind. If this course had Tailwind in the thing, in, in the description, it would have probably made 10x sales. But the problem is even when I'm doing something, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, focus on this, make a lot of money. Even when I do that, I cannot go I cannot go against who I am. Like I still wanna teach you what I know and the way that I made my product. So I was teaching the stack that I'm using for the Sissy portal, the stack that I use for making Gling, the stack that I use for making Benji, for sure GPT, all of these products were made with a single stack. And every time I was working with this stack, I was like, holy shit, full stack development is easy. And I actually got angry. Why is everyone complaining about, oh, I need to learn SQL. I need to do this. I need to learn that. It's so complex. I'm like, this is simple. So I choose, even though it was hurting my sales, like when people, like I literally get DMs, dude, if this wasn't blitz, like if this was Uh, the T3 stack and like Tailwind and TRPC and whatever I would definitely give you money for this it seems interesting I want to learn full stack but I don't like Blitz and Tailwind I got so many of those emails and complaints but I'm not like I I'm I haven't used it that much I cannot sell you something that I haven't used myself I did a Redux workshop in my life once I felt dirty I went at home, I had 17 showers, I woke up, I did 17 more and promised to myself, this is the last time you're gonna teach something that you don't like. So I don't teach things that I don't like. I teach things only that I use in real life that I use all the time. I've stopped I've stopped using GraphQL. Immediately, I stopped u- using um, teaching GraphQL workshops. I can still make money off of GraphQL workshops. I can go ahead and specialize in GraphQL, but it's very different than someone using it on the daily, knowing all the news about GraphQL. So I was like, nope. I'm using React, so I'm teaching React, React Advanced, and I can teach full stack development with the libraries that I know. So going way back on tangents on tangents, I made the course mostly because I needed an influx of money. And I was very scared, dude. When I launched the course, I was like, holy shit, will this actually make money? So I just kept refreshing the board. And honestly, on the first day, I got a bit disappointed, but then it exploded. I'm like, holy shit, this will actually make a lot of money. So I'm not gonna go a lot into, you know, the course development and whatever. I just wanted to tell you that it was not, my passion project, my brain, and I work the boat because we're partners. So my brain works the best. When I do something from the heart, like when I do something without intentions of making money, like I created Sissy because I was frustrated with um, with responsive design. and And still, when I see people using Google Chrome and switching between normal a uh, window and a mobile and whatever. I'm like, I solved this seven years ago. Move on. Use CZ. It can give you seven devices at once. So it was my own frustration of not being able to see my website on multiple devices at once. And then when I started this, like last thing I thought it was money. Like back in the day, CZ was open source. Then I wrote the article about GitHub stars won't pay rent. We decided eventually to make it paid because I had an employee. We had... um expenses. We were paying for like Sentry and Mailgun and this and that. So we decided to make a subscription-based product, still affordable. It was like $5 per month, something ridiculous. But in the beginning of CISI, my full passion and my full brain and heart were just in Sizzy. I didn't think, oh, I'm doing this for the money. I did it because, holy shit, if we make a browser for developers, there's no end to which features we can innovate on. Like Google Chrome or Arc, it wasn't a thing back then. Like They will never add these features because they're not making a browser for developers. So when we started developing on CISI, I was like, huh, what if we let the user organize their projects? What if we add an API inspector? What if we add a design studio where we can take nice screenshots? It was like, work didn't feel like work. I was going in and every day I was like, I was giving my best into this product. And naturally when I was like, the line of the sales of Sissy, which I'm going to make a video about one day, the line of the sales going up correlated with how much time I and how much passion I had for Sissy as soon as I started overthinking and my passion dying down and we forked into another product and I started working on Glink and I started streaming more and I started doing more things and starting to get less and less involved and I realized that having a startup is basically not just, you know, oh, we're gonna make a bunch of features like you need to do analytics and analyze your customers and deal with licenses And slowly got burned out and COVID happened and all these things and you can see the line of CZ of the MRR slowly throughout the years, like since COVID until now, it's like slowly but surely going down along with my passion to actually work on that. So what I'm trying to say is You can see um, my passion for something reflecting in the numbers, in the product, in the actual thing. It really depends how much I'm invested in it. And honestly, zero to ship. Like I did it mostly because I was like, I need money right now in this period of my life. And even as you can see, I'm struggling to finish recording it. Like I know what I need to record. I know that people are waiting for certain videos, even though I recorded the main videos. Like even if you, I think there's more than 15 hours material right now, which is bigger than most courses. And with those 15 hours, you can go ahead and you can ship. Um, you can ship a functional, full stack app, startup, whatever, whatever you want. But I still have to finish the videos. As you can see in every daily vlog, in every podcast I'm doing, I'm struggling. I just cannot make myself because it goes against me. It's it's not me using my creativity. It's not me giving giving my full self. So I'm just finishing zero to shift with an energy of, oh, I just want to get this out the way. Eventually, I want to get a person who will redesign the landing page and re, you know, do a bunch of sales and stuff. But deep down in me, I know that this is not my best work. So going back on the tangent, on tangent, on tangent, that com- comment of mediocre course, the person haven't, hasn't even taken the course. Like they don't even know what the course is about. What hurt me me personally is because I knew deep down, I launched something that I didn't give 100% into. And that's what, that's not what I was doing before. Like when I would launch something, I would go all in on it. Like the first days of Sizzy, first weeks, months. Like a customer complaining about something, immediate fix. Now a customer complaining about something. Like I'm so burnt out. It's been years of you know of this flow. Me not finding a structure, employees, whatever. Someone finds an issue. Like Sizzy doesn't work on Linux for weeks. I'm like, eh, dude, I'll just I, I, I'll get to it. Why can I tell you? Cancel your subscription. I'm losing money. I know. So I, I I cannot have, especially when I'm you know torn apart between so many projects. I cannot have all the passion because I cannot focus on one thing. I literally envy people who can just focus on one freaking thing and work on this one thing only. If I could erase everything in my life and restart, let's say, zero to ship from scratch and just plan on how I'm going to record and what's the content going to be and add exercise and make it nicer, I definitely think it will be one of the best courses out there, period, not the best full stack course. But just because I couldn't do that, I'm in the middle of this chaos and doing so many things, like, that comment triggered me, like, mediocre. And I'm like, oh, motherfucker. And I'm like, wait, he hasn't even taken the course. You have an issue with yourself, my friend. I've heard at a podcast, like, this might be too long, 38 minutes so far. And I wanted to talk about my day. I guess tomorrow we're going to have a long talk about my day. But I want to I wanna finish this. I heard somewhere in the podcast. And I'm not sure how much I identify with that because, you know, I'm so easy. I could hear something on the podcast. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me, bro. And I'm like, no, it's fucking not. But someone said, like, there was this... Um, a woman who was talking about doing multiple things at once and I cannot focus on one thing and whatever. I'm like, oh, that's literally me. And the the host of the podcast told her, maybe you're not doubling down on a single product and you're creating multiple products because you're scared. If you give your all into one product and it's not good, you're gonna feel as a failure. But this way you're doing multiple things and you can have like a fallback to be like, oh yeah, like Glink sucks because I yeah I'm working on too many things at once. But then, you know, I started thinking, I'm like, I'm making these products because I need them in my life. If something like Glink existed that combines like change log and um, user requests, like reporting bugs and a forum and like so many things that Glink combines, I would have just used that. But I got frustrated that I started working on Sizzy and people wanted a forum, people wanted a place to report bugs, people wanted a roadmap, this and that. Then I just forked, I made a fork in my, my life and I was like, okay, let's build this product now. So I didn't do it as a crutch, as a fallback to be like, oh, I'm working on too many things. I need it because I needed it. I wouldn't have made Benji if there was something out there that combines the habits, the tracker, the planner, the fasting, that all of the workouts and everything I have in mind. So I'm creating these products, even though I kind of resonated with that in the podcast and I was questioning myself, the end result is not true. I'm not creating multiple products because um, I want to, you know, have an escape and be like, oh yeah, since it doesn't work on Linux because I don't have time right now, you know? Like eventually, I feel guilty. I feel all of these comments. Like I tweeted something about uh, Arc's updates, like which is silly and impressive to me at the same time. And I really meant it. And I'm still using Arc. People think just because I'm uh, making a browser that I hate other browsers, I use Arc for browsing because it's better than the other browsers for browsing. I use CZ for development because I made a browser for development. It makes sense for development. But anytime I see something about Arc, people are like, oh, it's probably salty because you code the competitors. And we're not competitors. This is a browser for developers. This is a browser for browsing. So I said, uh, "Arc has mastered the ability to ship nothing, but still in nothing meaningful, but in their changelog, to make it seem like something big. So when I said that, like someone replied to me, yeah, and we haven't seen a CZ update in last six months. Slice right here. I'm like, doctors start operating because this guy sliced me. It was 100% true. I didn't get triggered. I just... I, I literally liked his comment. And I'm like, God damn, that's actually true. Doesn't mean that I'll stop... Sh- it's not shitting on ARK. I was just expressing an opinion. And I literally said, I'm impressed. And it's a lesson for us how we can market products by taking a line, like literally, usually, with uh, all the products that I've made, like Benji, CZ, and Clink. We would ship something amazing and I would just write a line in a change changelog. And I would be like, we did, like, I don't know. Benji has... Um, cold plunge and sauna tracking now. Dude, if ARK made that, there would be videos, vlogs from, hey guys, here's the CEO and I'm here in New York doing a cold plunge and whatever, like they mastered. And even for the smaller things, like we would put shit on small things at the end of the CC change changelog. What ARK does is they'll ship like one change and then a bunch of bug fixes, but those bug fixes, they put them in like with big images and thumbnails and they credit the developers. So basically... A lot of things that I wanted to do, I just never had the time to do it. So again, I'm taking you back to the agreement. If I got offended by this comment, it's because I know I didn't get offended. But I know deep down that that's how I want to do changelogs. Like we spent eight to nine months working on CISI, um on a new revamp. And at this point, I'm just throwing numbers. One time I'll say six, one time I'll say eight, nine. I don't know. Maybe it was a fucking year. And we didn't even tweet about it. If you go to the Sizzy account on Twitter, it's dead. Because I've given up on you know maintaining multiple things in my life, I cannot be uh, the customer support and the social media manager and the marketer and like whenever there's something new in my products, maybe eventually I'll tweet on my own Twitter. But I know, in order to run a startup, you have to have an active social media account. You have to have a person which I had at some point writing the change logs, writing the the docs, the help center, the whatever, in order to do things properly. So I can easily get salty, you know, and I'm like, oh, fucker, shipping nothing, but actually writing big change logs because. I realize, oh, I need to do that for my own product. And at the end of the day, I need to ship an update because Sissy doesn't work on Linux. So this is a very interesting thing. You know, when you get offended, there's something true in that that actually offends you. So the difference is like, I'm good at Emineming myself. And this is something that I think Gary Vee started using as a, as a verb. If you've seen the 8 Mile movie when there's a rap battle, like Eminem grabs the mic first and he says all the bad shit about him. It's like, I live with my mom in a trailer and I'm white trash and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And then he throws the mic and he says, tell this motherfucker something they don't know about me, right? And the other guy, the the, the Falcon, <laughs> Anthony Mackie, Mackey, I don't know what is his, his surname. Um, basically, he he doesn't know what to say because like Eminem said, all the bad, he's very aware of all the bad things. This is why I like doing this podcast. I'm basically Emineming myself. I'm telling you about all of my failures. i I didn't hide like i wanted to talk more about the landing page you know and about the twitter backlash and whatever i ended up talking about me and my faults and what do i hate about myself and going deep and introspecting my thoughts and giving you serving them right here without sugarcoating anything that oh man i went viral and i feel amazing and i could have lied to you i literally like on saturday i didn't sleep enough and i woke up nervous because it feels like everyone's at your neck like the entire fucking internet even though I feel like most people were on my side and more pe- most people were supporting me. You know your boy, just hyper-focusing on a couple of people not supporting you. Thinking of starting arguments and replies, I didn't reply to a lot of the tweets. But still, my Saturday was kind of ruined. It was honestly kind of shit. Like I didn't want people, I didn't want to come on this podcast and be like, oh, this weekend was awesome, man. Like I said, this thing about designers and I pissed them. I didn't even enjoy that some people got pissed off. I mean, at the end of the day, it's their fault because what are you mad at? You think that if you just spend 20 million hours in Figma, everyone is going to like their design? Like, the the argument that I hate the most is when someone says, um, you cannot say that that was made by humans. Guess what else is made by humans? This, this, this crew, this, this straw, this, the case, which absolutely sucked everything around us is made by humans, doesn't mean that when I say, oh, fuck this piece of shit Ikea table, I have to go write a letter to the Ikea creator, dear sir, in a way to establish uh, future Ikea products, and I'm saying this in the most polite way, go fuck yourself, I'm not offending you, I can just express and be like, hey, I'm tired of this, and I don't like that, it doesn't mean we have to write letters of feedback and criticism and whatever, and sometimes you can just express your opinion, because guess what? Everything that you say that you hate and don't like is made by humans. Now the fact that you found those humans, keep tagging them as a dick. Now people are like, oh bro, he's talking about you, right? Like you want to see some drama at the end of the day? You don't care that something was made by humans, but that's one of the worst arguments because I didn't offend the humans. I didn't. Off- I didn't say that this didn't take 20,000 hours, right? It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of work. So what? At the end, like the conversion rates, it's proven the conversion rates for those websites are not good. And even if it converts, as I said before, people will try the product which doesn't look like a landing page and they'll leave eventually. Wow, that that was long, but it's going to get longer. Yeah, so what I said about Emineming myself, I know my flaws. I'm openly talking about my flaws. Like when my when I was 99. Point, I think I didn't reach 100, but it was 99.9 kilos. Let's say my family confronted me. I remember we were here in this hallway, and you know I was just sitting. You know those pictures of like a toddler just sitting with their hands on their back and just extending their stomach fully. There's always funny. He, you know that pose. It's only a grandpa and a toddler who does that. I started taking that pose. Like usually I was this. You know when I was working out and I tried to keep my uh, my posture and being this confident guy somehow, throughout the last few months, like before this, um, 2023, I got slouched, and I started sitting like this toddler slash grandpa with my, with my belly out, you know, and my father-in-law, when he was here, he was like, oh man, you start with that belly, but he didn't give me a confrontation or anything, and I knew it in my head, I couldn't be like, how dare you, we're all beautiful in a way, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do something about it, but when I got to 99.9, and I was here with my dad, there was no one around, he was like, look, dude, Like, you told me back in the day when I was 100-something kilos. My dad was, like, very, very, you know, not in a good shape. I was like, you told me honestly that you want me to be healthy, and I'm going to tell you honestly. You don't look good right now, and I want you to be. you just for your health, not for looking good. Like, what are you doing? And if I was at that moment, like, how dare you and whatever, you know, I was just not being honest with myself. But because I accept my flaws and everything, I was like, you know what? You're fucking right, and from tomorrow, I'm going to start doing something about it. And since that moment, you know, my weight started going down. But... It's all about accepting your flaws and who you are and what the fuck is wrong with you. And I'll keep going on this podcast daily and telling you how I fucked up and which mistakes that I made and how do I feel. And I feel bad on a lot of days. And as I mentioned on Saturday, it was one of the worst days that I felt in a really, really, really long time. Like you don't want to be in this state of, you know, it feels like even though there's like five replies, let's say, and five quotes of people saying something mean about you, right? Um... They get stuck in your head and it feels like the entire internet hates you in that moment. And the feeling goes away. Like it passed, like the next day I didn't give a fuck about it. But it, it's a nasty feeling, especially when you get to like 1.3 million impressions. It's like, oh, whoa, everyone, everyone feels a certain way around uh, for me. And I got, like, I got a DM from one of the people who I respect the most. Um, I got a DM saying, dude, finally you said the thing that all of us were thinking. Love your personality. You're gonna be big. You're gonna explode even more. If you double down on your personality and you keep saying... What you think, and I'm not gonna double down on anything, dude. I just keep it at a level. Like uh, after this, I'm not gonna learn a lesson where I'm like, well, from now on, I'm not going to express my opinion. Yes, I will express my opinion. You'll get the same kids that you always got it. I'll be brutally honest with my thoughts. Like I'm posting my unfiltered thoughts on Twitter. I even got a stupid thought. I'm like, okay, from now on, I'm gonna try to keep it positive, and my tweets will go through MJ, and I'll I'll tell MJ if I say something negative, don't let the tweet out. And I'm like. This what this was just an opinion, and if pe- and a lot of people were like, "Whoa, what is going on with Design Twitter? I didn't know they were so soft." Like, it's not me who says that. There's a lot of replies who said, "Wow, so many people got offended for this for no reason. You just have an opinion. Kudos for to you for saying your opinion." So I'm not gonna double down, increase on something because I don't like. I've never followed this metrics or trend and be like, oh, this got me that many views. So this time I'm going to keep saying this. I would have started roasting landing pages if that was the case because people literally after this DM would me, hey, can you roast our landing page? Because people are like, I got them traffic. I got them a lot of traffic and recognition. But even when I did that show like this week in web dev, I wanted to have a section like roasting and stuff. But at the end of the day, I, I don't want to do that. I know it's entertaining in a way, but This was not my attempt to roast a certain person or to roast their landing page. It was just an attempt to roast a trend in design that was happening for for three, four, five years at this point. And unfortunately, this one page was the straw that broke the camels camels the kids' back. Because I was like, oh, I'm so fucking tired of these landing pages, you know? I don't want to start a show where I start roasting. I got this comment in high school. I think we're gonna wrap this out around an hour. But I think it's a good topic and I think I hope it's entertaining you and you're learning maybe something I don't fucking know let me know in the comments you watch until here I use uh the the camel phrase two times just leave a camel along with your comment if you're planning to comment anyway so what was I saying yeah in um basically I get a lot of I get a lot of enjoyment from making people laugh at the end of the day like there's a couple of things that happened in high school that are still living rent-free in my head forever like there was one teacher who you know when she saw me like giving a presentation or something. And I don't know, with my energy and my talking and making people laugh. She was like, dude, you're meant for a stage. That's what she, she said to me. You're not meant for whatever traditional thing. You are meant for a stage. And I feel like that for my entire life. Like I've been in a band. We've been doing gigs throughout Macedonia with the band. I like being on the stage. I like getting praised by people for doing, you know, one of my talents, like whether it's guitar playing or whether it's, um, I like doing my conference talks because I make people laugh. Like that, I stopped doing conference talks during the pandemic. Because I don't want to be on Zoom where someone's chewing on a sandwich. I want that, you know, um, audience feeling when everyone is like, so, so I think I really love comedy in a way, but I don't have limits where the second, th- this is like the second high school situation that happened. Um, we were doing like an anonymous feedback for every classmate and you would get a bunch of uh, feedback from your classmates, but it was anonymous. Like our, our teacher was doing like an experiment or whatever. And a lot of the feedback that I got, like most of the feedback that I got is kids say it's fucking funny, kids say it's hilarious, cool. But also a lot of the comments ended that sentence or additionally said um, he doesn't have limits and he can be mean at the expense of making other people laugh. And that's, I cannot neglect that. I've been like that since high school and I am like that now. I honestly, like when I made this video, like sometimes I even laugh at myself, like, I have a feeling like what's going to go viral, what's not going to go viral, depending on like if I rewatch it and it makes me laugh, I'm like, oh, this is some funny shit, you know? Like you're pretty aware when something is funny or not funny. So when I recorded this and I started giggling, I'm like, oh man, this is like literally my only focus was like, I wasn't that focused on, I'm going to teach designers a lesson. Like they're not going to learn a lesson. They're still in Figma. Someone is going to copy the design. So I I raised awareness to this design where a lot of people, like thousands of people are probably going to copy. So I didn't do Anything, because that wasn't my thought process. I didn't think like, now I'm going to teach them a lesson. I just thought, my only thought, trust me in my head was, this is going to make people laugh. I don't give a fuck. People are like, this is content farming. Like I'm going to start donating. And I'm saying that this right now. From this moment on, every payment that comes from Elon, I don't want to re- re- disable my payments because fuck it. Like if I make money from tweets, I make money from tweets. But from this moment on, every dollar that I get from my tweets goes to some charity. And I would like try to keep it in person like there's these local charities here and children's home and whatever like previously I've gotten an Xbox and we took it to a children's home and it gave me a nice feeling because they didn't have a console and Xbox fucking sucks <laughs> you know like for a lot of people Xbox is amazing it was a new Xbox I don't like Xbox so I was like I don't want to sell this they gave it away to a children's home and it gave me a warm fuzzy feelings they made me a little poster saying thank you kids for the whatever so from now on I want to you know with the money that comes from Twitter I just want to buy something for a Children's home or for a place where I can see actual impact because when I send money for a donation online, like you feel scammed, you feel like oh, the money is disappearing somewhere, some organization is gonna do something with them, whatever. Not to talk much about that, I don't give up. Do you think that I don't know 60 euros or 200 euros from Elon or what, whatever amount gets in the month, like it's gonna change something in my life? Or the fact that yes, this brought a lot of followers. If at the end of the day, I get my followers at the expense of people getting well. Someone's always gonna get offended, but I wouldn't start to go in this negative way where I'm very conscious of this, you know? I'm like, oh, well, this is gonna make people feel bad, but fuck it, I'm gonna make money. or gonna make followers. I never thought like that. The only thought in my head is I wanna make people laugh, no matter what. So I feel like, yes, my Twitter has been educa- educating, educa- ed- ed- educative, well, I'm not gonna say that word, but I've posted a lot of hints and tips and tricks and lessons and apps and life hacks Bunch of other shit. But I always try to make it funny. I unfortunately never think like whether this is going to offend someone or not going to offend someone. Especially since freaking Twitter started getting like a couple of years ago. When the cancellation and everything started for everyone saying that they like iPhone or they like the color purple. How dare you not think? You won't tweet anything at the end of the day. If you think like who's going to get offended by this on Twitter. Everyone's going to get offended by anything that you say. So I just completely erased that from my thought process. Like is someone's going to be offended? And I just think, is this going to be funny? Like, I would never laugh at someone's expense, like directly go at a certain person and roast this certain person or whatever. But that's my only thought process. That's what I wanted to say. The only thought that I have when I made this tweet is like, I want to make people laugh, period. And then I feel bad. I'm not the type of, I'm going to lie to you if I'm this cocky motherfucker who's like, oh, I don't care what anyone says and I don't care about the negative comments because afterwards I'm like, oh, fuck, man. I really didn't want to, you, you know, I didn't want to make people people feel bad. But also, designers, you know, be original. Hey, also, designers, try something else. Hey, also, designers, don't open dribble before you design something. Because you know deep down that you're taking a little bit from this landing page, a little bit from that landing page, you make a landing page, and when someone says designers will be replaced by AI in the next couple of years because my grandma can copy 15,000 things from different designs and just copy, and they're like, this is an entire profession you're offending. So yeah, it's very hard not to be offensive nowadays and designers, you know, I, I I thought that web devs are easy to, you know, poke and troll on Twitter, but God damn, you disappointed me this time. If you're a designer, please write me in the comments, watch my video and honestly tell me because there's, you know, it's different when you know me and it's different when you're a stranger and you see my face and you look like, oh, fuck this guy or whatever he said. If you know me, watch this video and tell me, was it offensive? Was it not offensive? I think at the end of the day, it was just my fucking opinion on something. and And that was it. Wow, almost an hour on this topic of, of everything that happened, honestly. Like I, I got a bunch of followers. Ironically, I got a bunch of course sales. They're like, the landing page for Serious for Ship is not that good, but it made shit out of money and it's clear and it's text and you can read what I sell and there's a big button. You click it, you give me money. So I'm glad that at the end of the day, I broke 50,000 followers. I didn't want to break it this way because I was really looking forward to that number for some fucking reason, you know? So when I saw that this got me almost a thousand followers, I'm like, oh, I didn't want it to happen this way, but whatever, still celebrated that. Got a bunch of money from the course, but I think the the thing that made me made me most happy is that this reply, the one reply that I started arguing with, and then later I'm like, "What the fuck am I even doing this?" And I just deleted all of my replies and everything. Um, I'm glad about that reply because it started, you know, poking me in the right place to start planning things properly to maybe sit down and this year, um, now when I started with MG and now when I started, I'm starting something that I started two years ago, so I'm starting from scratch again. I'm going back and forth. I think this time. It's going to be different because um, my habits are improving. I'm doing this publicly. Like there's some public accountability. Who would have said it's very hard to talk after an hour of babbling. So I have to pause every once in a while to sip water. Um, So I feel this time is going to be different because a lot of times I've been failing. I've been failing in circles because there hasn't been anyone watching. Like I would fail silently. I think there was a blog post or a podcast or something about or a book maybe about failing silent. Like it's better to fail publicly. And people are afraid of their failures. But I think I think that's ironically what brought me a lot of popularity and followers and whatever. That I was always brutally honest. If there's a failure, if there's a win, like I would tell you about everything. I'm not trying to fabricate this fake life. This is why I hate Instagram. This is why I don't have an Instagram profile, LinkedIn, whatever. People are trying to paint like a story about them. People are trying to make a certain um image about themselves. And I'm not gonna say that I'm the perfect one and I've never tried that from time to time. Like I, I think there's not a person that's like hundred percent honest online and you see online or offline, whoever you meet and shake their hands, like even if you're if you're best friend, you don't know hundred percent about that person, but I'm trying. And I think Twitter is a way more honest place than Instagram. Like I could never stand, you know, seeing just happy smiles and happy like, oh vacation, whatever we're doing. I don't I don't believe in that shit. So I tried to keep it oh, uh, completely honest. And I think this time uh, my journey is going to be different. Even though I'm starting from scratch, like I changed assistants a couple of years ago. Now I have an assistant again. I worked with with Shivam on the help center. I actually didn't like working with him. We had our differences. Uh, Then I'm working with Shivam again. Uh, Pranit started another job. Now I emailed him. Here's another thing. I emailed him. I was like, hey man, Sizi doesn't work on Linux. Do you want to, you know, can can we maybe do something part-time or on the weekends or whatever will you help me or whatever i don't know what's going to happen with that we're going to see so maybe i shouldn't you know maybe whatever happens with that i shouldn't even talk about it publicly because i haven't asked any. but i'll just tell you that from my side i reached out so it feels like i'm going in circles and maybe i'm making past mistakes and i should think about a new route or whatever but i think this time it's going to be different because i document it like i feel publicly i'll tell you guys you you give me comments like hey Get this, fix this. I have a way. You DM me interesting links and stuff. So I feel like, even if with with this, if I start going in circles, like I don't know what's the what's the next step. But I feel like this time the journey is going to be different. And the only way I can get to happiness in my career, let's say, and in life, and because career in life, like if you're the type like me, like there's there's a very blurry line here because I'm try stri- like. I won't be me without creation. I won't be me if I sit, don't sit down on this computer and create products and create solutions to problems. Like it's half of me is going to be gone. But um, what I what I was trying to say is, um, I don't know where my thought went. Fuck. Yes, I got there. So basically, in order to get to that place where I use my creativity to the max and I don't, I'm not bothered with replying to every single customer and then doing small things and whatever. I think I am on the right path. Like I need to clear my plate that the rest of my day is only not recording a course. I'm, not, I'm looking forward to finishing that course, finding a person, if you're that person, contact me, who's going to find a way to market it, to squeeze the maximum out of it, to make shit ton of money out of it. I'm going to think three times before I start another course, because I already have two in draft that I wanted to post. And I'm like, don't do that to yourself. You don't like recording Like It's not my strength. Like I don't like recording courses. I don't even like doing workshops, to be honest, at this point. Like I said, I'm going to start doing workshops. And there's a link in the description if you want to buy a workshop ticket, because I'll be doing workshops. I'm d- I'll do them right now in order to make money, to hire employees, to have employees in all of these products, so I can be me, the inventor of new features, the inventor. Of, like, I have so many ideas going through my head. I just need to establish this hierarchy of people that will help me get there. And I think that I'm saying this publicly. I'm waiting for a day where a person is going to be, hey, I'm the person that you need. Give me, I don't know, 30% from all of your companies. You take care about that. I'll take care about sales, marketing, whatever. I'm open to all sorts of ideas, collaborations, whatever you have, please shoot at me. DM, email, whatever. That's why I feel it's going to be different because this time there might be something from my ramblings and my thoughts. They're not just... In my head, as I as I said, as I mentioned before, try doing this for yourself. Share it maybe with your best friend, with a close circle. Create a a group DM group on Twitter or create a Telegram channel or whatever. Post it somewhere instead of just going on circle in circles in your head and thinking and thinking and thinking and not doing. Trust me, this helps a lot. And the last step, I, I know I'm going over an hour here, uh, so people are complaining. No podcast in the weekend. Here's one hour on Monday, motherfuckers. Uh, the last thing that I definitely want to start again is uh, therapy. Like it's it helped me a lot in the past, like, I I got burned out, I I need to discuss this as a separate topic, I think I've mentioned it, I'm not sure, uh, I got burned out on BetterHelp, which is like this platform, which it turned out is a huge scam, the people weren't even licensed, so a lot of times it felt like, you know, this is a fucking scam, it doesn't work, but a lot of times I've spoken to like good therapists in the times when, um, during COVID, when I got anxiety, and this and that, therapy was huge help to make you, um, think in the right direction. A lot of people are intimidated. A lot of people are scared by therapy. It's like, no, they're gonna poke into my brain. Like if your arm hurts, you're gonna go to the doctor, right? But if your brain hurts and if you're like too many thoughts and too many ideas and this and that, people are scared to talk to someone. I think therapy is fucking awesome. And I just need to find, it's very hard to find outside of better help. This was like the solution on a plate. Like you hear it on a podcast and you're like, fuck it, I'll sign up for this. But I still think I need to, like it, it would be better to find some specialists outside of better help. So just basically, how I see a therapist is if you're intimidated, I think I've mentioned this on a podcast, it's like a coach who's going to listen to your thoughts and rambles, but unlike you guys in the comments who are going to leave a donut or a giraffe, they're going to give you a professional opinion on how to correct course of your thinking. It's nothing scary. They're not going to sit you down upside down like a bat and just take a baseball bat and just, you know, you don't even have to go in person. You don't have to sit on a bed like in the movies. It's literally a Zoom call. It feels like, like a lot of times I had like a... I've been um, talking to like three, four therapists. I think I would, just like with my assistants, like I would do it one, two weeks and I'm like, "Ah, I'm not happy with this person. Let's go to the next one. And when they were older, I was like, oh, this feels like talking to my grandma, literally. The difference is your grandma or your family or your mom, they're gonna try to, to steer you in directions to think, to basically give them what you want. Like if you're talking about, I'm not sure about having kids or whatever, your mom and grandma in a very political, nice way, they're going to try to correct you to be like, well, kids are the nicest thing that can happen. And a therapist can be like, well, what are your goals? What are your plans? Blah, blah, blah. So it's basically a very educated strategist who's going to help you correct your thinking. And I'm saying this even though I haven't been for like two and a half years. Like this task has been on my list to find a therapist again, to discuss all of my things and issues, because dude, I have way too much on my plane. Like this brain is holding way too many things. And I'm talking mostly about work-related things. If I start talking about private, about hobbies, about all the things I want to do, achieve, now I'm a father, my daughter growing up, like it's way too much to even start talking at the end of the podcast. But I just wanted to say that, you know, thankfully to this situation, to this tweet, to this comment, I started poking in my feelings. I started poking in, you know, like I cannot just keep going without a direction, with no goals, with no plans, with alone, not hiring people, just burning out in a cycle I need to change things, and together we're going to fucking change things. As you can see, it's episode 15. I already feel better about all the habits. I already feel about um, better about everything else. My weight, my workout routine. Today is the first Monday that I worked out in a while. Usually, I was doing Wednesdays and Fridays. So, even though I'm the pessimist and the one who's like, I can do better, and I could have lost more weight, and I couldn't like, I still can zoom out and be like, Wow, I did a lot of progress. Like since the start of January until now, I did a shit ton of progress. I hope. This is going to inspire you to do... If you want to, don't be like, I'm going to pressure you. You're like chilling, you know, eating Nutella, watching this. And you're like, ah, motherfucker, why did you tell me to improve and be better? Fine, fine. Throw it in the trash. If you like your Nutella, if you like your life, do whatever you want. But if you don't like something about you, about your life, your career, where you're at in life, I hope that this podcast and these rambles and rants help you in a way. And together, we're going to get somewhere. So with that, I'll leave you and I'll check out um, tomorrow... Like I basically have a huge checklist of other things that happened this weekend and today. There's a bunch of shit coming tomorrow. So make sure you subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave a review if you can on iTunes or in Apple Podcasts or in Spotify or in all these places. Follow the Twitters, the Discords, the courses, the workshops. Or do whatever the fuck you want because I'm not your mom who is the singer of Chandelier. That was a long episode. See ya.